On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I'm joined by Justin Kleiner to talk a little fantasy baseball and preview fantasy football as it approaches. And in the second half of our show, we talk about Earl Thomas being dismissed from the Ravens. And we have a look at high school football and how it's done in its first few weeks. We have all that and more coming up next. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 26 of Talking Schmidt. I am your host, Ethan Schmidt. I'm in the Schmidt House studios. I'm joined by my guest, as always, and as usual, as my good friend Justin Kleiner, joining me from Casa de la Kleiner. Justin, what's going on, man? Oh, man, Ethan, just trying to lick the wounds from the uh, fantasy baseball weekend. It was pretty tough, uh, so I'm just trying to rebound from it. Yeah, great segue there. Let's start off talking about what happened, and uh, we'll talk about your game here because... You lost to Cody, what was it, five points? Four points was the final differential between you guys, 521 to 517? Yeah, four-point loss. So, I mean, it was tough. Uh, I was down over 90 points going into Sunday and just, just barely missed it. Yeah, this weekend we saw a lot of, uh, I mean, that was the closest, I believe that was the closest game that was played or at least played out this weekend uh yeah that was there was nothing nothing closer than that one uh brian Brake, of course in our in our division as well after falling to cody he's now three and one he he bounced back and ended up beating tyler 471 to 452 um that was the next closest and then after that it was pretty much a blowout um i was able to pick up my first victory 566 to 378 over jake and of course jared karkoff still rolling four and oh um, 673 to 347, his victory over AJ. But I, I have to bring up this this matchup because it was kind of a battle between two powerhouses there in the West Division. Um, one that has been kind of in the beginning of it, started off pretty well, which was Mike Rabbit. Um, but John Wilson, man, we got to give him a shout out here. He won, he put up 718 points. Believe it or not, winning that one 718 to 515. He texted me and he wanted me to remind everyone that he was not out of this one. And currently he does jump to second in the Western Division. Yeah, I mean, uh, unlike you, um, he hasn't been mathematically eliminated. <clears throat> so he's still. I'm not mathematically eliminated. Um, again, we'll go back to reality here. Um, you're you're pretty much done. So you've got Cody. Uh, Cody's got to pretty much fall apart down this home stretch. Um, for me to make the playoffs, I've got to make sure I beat Brian this weekend, uh, which is going to be a tough task because he's been one of the best teams week in and week out. Uh, and then just try to keep winning out and match him win for win. Um, and if I think we can do that, I think we'll be in a good spot. Uh, but yeah, John, John, you know he he's on the uptick. Uh, you know, Machado had a really, really good week for him. Um, you know, so he, you know, he can he can finally celebrate there. Um, you know, it's, it, I guess he's finally panned out, I guess. Uh, I know he was a draft pick of John's. Um, you know, only scored 200 points all season, uh, and 81 of those points came this week for John. Um, so always a good day uh, for him when you can do that. Or excuse me, for, for that was for Rabbit. Uh, for John Abreu, yeah, Abreu went off. That had a good week. Two hundred twenty-seven points all year. One hundred and nineteen of them. So over, 
over 50% of his yearly point totals came in this week. Um, so he did have, you know, seven home runs and 15 RBIs to help with that score this week. Uh, so that's really what set John apart uh, from his competition. And, and a lot of roster management, uh, you know, John had about six more players play this week than uh, his competition. So good roster management there uh, on his behalf. I would like you to know that the person who has the most points scored in our division is me. I think that I'm needs to be said. I think I'm that needs to be said because if there's a tie and I continue to put up the numbers that I continue to put up and somehow there's a tie, I would win the tiebreaker by points four. Correct. Yes. But you have to get to that point first. I think it's possible. Maybe I'm the only maybe I'm the only optimist in the room today, but I think it's possible. I think there's a possibility that at some point we're all sitting there at a chance at four and three. And okay, I, and so I have faith. It, it, not including this week, there's two weeks left. So right. you have this week and one more. So we'll include this one. We'll say three weeks left. Uh, down the stretch, you you've got uh, a cakewalk with Tyler, and then a pretty tough game with Carcass at the end of the year. Right. Uh, depending on how. You know, roster management stuff works out um, with players resting or not resting to get ready for the actual playoffs of the MLB season. You might just sneak back in there. Uh, Cody's got a pretty tough sled. Uh, he's got John Wilson the following week. Uh, the week after that's Team Allison. I, I think that'll be a, uh, I think that'll be a pretty much cakewalk for Cody uh, if he can get through these next two weeks. He'll be in good shape. If he can go two and one over the next two weeks. He'll be in really, really good shape uh, moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I do think that there has there's a good possibility we do have a battle for second in our division that I still think is a chance for three teams. Yeah, of course, there's a there's a battle for second, and it's a two team battle. Um, three team battle between it's between myself, which you know, of course, you know, free Hong Kong over here, and Team Break. But those are the only competitions for the for the number two spot. Uh, you've got a long way to go. Mm, I think I'm long good where I'm at. I think I think I'm I'm just right where I need to be at. Get a win this week. Have a chance to win the week after that. And week seven, you know, maybe maybe Jared feels like resting players. We don't know what's going to happen here. Um, but right now, I, I think it's been. Uh, uh, the one thing you said, you said uh, there's a possibility you thought that I would not win a game. That has been knocked out. Now you're saying there's a possibility I don't make the playoffs. I still stand at the chance that I have a chance, and I'm going to keep standing there saying that there's a good possibility um, for this uh, for this tournament, for me at least, to make it to the postseason. Yeah, had you been playing somebody besides uh, Jacob Stan the last week, you probably would have lost it. Mm. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I put up some pretty good numbers last week. 566 points? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. Was, was, that, was, that, was that good? Uh, I believe that was, what, fourth most score or third most scored? Yeah, I'm not sure. Pretty positive. It was third most scored last week. But granted, you look back at my first three weeks, and I was the third or fourth highest scorer every week, and that still didn't matter. Finally, it just kind of paid off 
uh, in one moment for me here. So, um, yeah, I believe, yeah, it was definitely the third most points scored last week. So maybe, maybe I pull one out in the end. We'll see what happens. Uh, I do feel somehow it's probably going to end up, um, like you said, it's going to come down to what happens with Brian as you guys close out against each other this week and how you guys close out your season. Um, but I do think a, more than likely it'll end up with uh, either you versus me or me versus Brian in that five versus six matchup. Um, I don't think with Jared putting up the numbers he's put up, and I want to say this much, Jared's team, his highest scores on his teams, the guys who've been putting up points for him, are uh, mostly guys that he played um, at some point in his career with. So, I mean, shout out to him um, for going out. He has, If you look at his roster, he has a lot of Blue Jays, and he's got a lot of Padres um, on his team. Those are all guys he was in the Blue Jays and Padres organizations. Show. So he did tell me early on, he said, you know, if I get an opportunity, I want to try to draft a bunch of guys that I played with when I was out in, you know, when I was working my way up through the minors. So congratulations to Jared for definitely well, that, doing that. that. That kind of sounds like some insider trading. <laughs> so we may have to dock him some points on that. I don't uh, think it would matter uh, if we docked him points. That sounds to me like an unfair advantage, but but we'll we'll uh, we'll continue. My biggest worry is uh, I don't want this to interfere with my fantasy football draft. Oh right, uh, yeah. So that that's my biggest concern right now. You know, because we'll be drafting fantasy here in another you know week. Yeah. When when is your draft? Because we're doing our draft. Uh, the league that I've been I've been GM whatever league manager with for going on I think year eight now. Um, when do you guys, when do you like to draft? What is, I guess, I know we're fantasy baseball switch to fantasy football here, but do you have a certain time that you like to draft? For me, we don't have preseason this year. Um, so we're doing obviously the Sunday before the first game, September 10th. So we're doing that Sunday before. Um, but for me, at least I don't like to draft until the preseason is completely over. Is that what you guys do as well? Different leagues, different rules. Uh, I don't have a preference either way. Uh, I think with the joke the preseason's been lately, I don't think it matters if you draft the first week of August or the last week. I think you're going to get pretty much the same results uh, minus you know one or two players overall. Yeah, I just remember, I think, and the reason why I think we changed it to the way that we did um, was the year that I believe Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. Um I just kind of felt bad whoever drafted Jordy because I was like, man, like he should have been a top receiver for you. And, you know, we did the draft kind of early, so we would have known if we would have waited till the end of the preseason. So I've always been a big, not a stickler, but if I can make it after the preseason um, or at least like, you know, through those first, you know, however many, you know, two, three games or whatever, you know, by the fourth week of preseason, I'm like, all right, we can draft now, but... I don't know. I just I hate the fact of like when you have somebody who drafts somebody who you know should be good, and then you know week two they're out there on the opening drive and you know just take a weird hit, and then they're done for the season. So um, for me, at least as a as somebody who does this a lot of you know with the fantasy football, I just I just find it weird not drafting. And a lot of people think that it's weird that I wait until after the preseason to draft. So I didn't know if you had any you know, weird takes on it, or if you, uh, you had any preferences of how you like to draft with it. But, uh, you know, right now, I guess a, a question for you number, if you had the first pick, um, in your fantasy draft, who are you taking? 
I mean, you have to take Christian McCaffrey, right? Yeah, that's who I was thinking too. I mean, I don't even see how it's so close there. Uh, I mean, you know, if you've got the number two pick, you may go quarterback with Pat Mahomes. But, yeah. I mean, you have to take guys who score points. And McCaffrey is probably one of the most consistent point scorers out there. Uh, you know, so I'm not too worried about draft strategy when it comes to football. I think roster management is a lot more important. Um, you know, and I think, you know, if you can mix it up and, you know, get – get some really good depth, I think you'll be fine. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, where, where baseball this year, you know, it was a little different. You know, I think relievers may have been a bigger deal in years past, but because of the shortened season, starters are going longer, so you can kind of throw that out the window. Uh, so I think depth's going to be important this year uh, just because of the unknowns. Now, again, I, I don't think we're going to have any problems there. I think we're going to play football and not have any – you know, outside noise from the Corona Bros, but you know, for some of the, you got to keep it out there. For some of the unknowns, you may want to have depth, especially in your skill positions. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Um, you know, obviously, like we mentioned, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, I think we're going to continue to see the kind of the trend that we have in the past, even in PPR leagues, where guys like McCaffrey, guys like Alvin Kamara. Um, even guys like Saquon Barkley, you know, you, you still have those running backs and receivers that are going to go so quick. I, I guess in the non-PPR leagues, you know, like you mentioned, you might see a guy like Pat Mahomes go a little bit earlier. I know last year, um, I believe Pat Pat Mahomes was a first-round pick for us. So uh, I believe Tyler drafted him in the first round. So obviously he um, had a lot of success with that pick. Now a guy like Lamar Jackson, do you feel like he could be another guy that you might see taken in a first round, depending on depth of the league, or do you think he's a you know a guy that you can wait on? Mm. I mean, if you want him, go get him. There's so much depth in the skill position. Yeah. If there's a quarterback you want, then you take him. Uh, now, the one thing that I would be a little cautious with taking him so early, unless I was just a homer like. Tyler is with Pat Mahomes is, you know, it's a little early in camp for him to be taking days off. Um, you know, you only got 10 total padded practices out there this year, uh, you know, and, and he wasn't in practice for a second straight day, you know, and they're going to say they're resting his arm. Um, and that's just kind of coach jargon for there's the, there's an injury he's nursing and we just don't want to tell you what it is. Um, so, you know, if I had to speculate, I'm thinking probably a lower body, you know, hamstring, quad, something like that. Uh, he's probably resting it. Uh, maybe a growing injury. I'm not sure. But doesn't seem to be anything too serious. Uh, but, you know, for our fantasy insiders out there, uh, just keep an eye on that. Um, because, again, without his legs, he's not going to put up as many points. He's got to have his legs. Um, and if he's already this early into camp, already having to take two days off, uh, to rest, uh, that may be a little bit of a red flag if you are planning on taking him early in the draft. Now, for people who are in PPR leagues, which is uh, if you guys don't know what PPR is, it's point per reception. Um, that's the league. That's the league style that I like to play in. Um, the top five. Re- just, what's that? You just like high scoring contests. That's all that is. Yes, I do. That's why I added so many point totals for uh, fantasy baseball. Um, for for a PPR league, wide receivers, tight ends, um, obviously big in those as well. For your wide receivers, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, your top five 
receivers that uh, that ESPN has listed, at least. Um, out of those five, who would you want to, as your first wide receiver off the board if you're going to be drafting maybe at that spot where you could take a receiver if Christian McCaffrey's not off the board or a strong running back's not there? You have to take Julio Jones. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you, you have to take him. If, 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 if there's not a top-five running back, so if you're drafting eight, which if you're drafting eight, I see one of the these five running backs being there. You know, you've got Christian McCaffrey, Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. One of those are going to be there. Now, I do think a guy who's not going to have as good of a year as he's had in years past is Dalvin Cook. I don't think it's going to be there. Uh, he seems to be disconnected from the team over salary issues. Uh, he wants to get paid now. Can't blame him for that. I hope he gets every dime that he wants. Uh, but we know how what, what happens with running backs once they get paid. Uh, so I hope that bug doesn't catch him when he eventually does get paid or catch Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but, I mean, e- even though I'm sure Michael Thomas is the number one overall rated receiver, you have to go with Julio Jones. Uh, because defense, defense coordinators in the NFL, all 32 of them have had an entire year to sit down and look at Michael Thomas's game. And I just don't think you're going to see as a productive year out of him uh, in New Orleans this year. You know, Breeze is getting a little older, can't doesn't have quite the same zip he used to have. Uh, so I think you're going to see a drop-off from Michael Thomas. So I, I would still lean – I would still lean toward Julio Jones for for a wide receiver if you're if you're one of my personal opinion. I think I, I think uh, I mean obviously he's got the you know the everything built the uh, the um, there he's built around so he does know uh, his quarterback in Matt Ryan. Um, for me at least, I look at DeAndre Hopkins who is probably one of the most viable options. However, it's going to be a first time with him working with Kyler Murray as well. So that's why. I feel, you know, I, I I would still probably, if it was me, I'd probably still take DeAndre Hopkins just because of his pure playmaker uh, ability. Um, but again, I guess if you want that consistent points, um, looking at a guy like Julio Jones would probably be your best option. Um, here's a fun one for you. Out of your tight ends here, there's I would say there's five really big tight ends that I would go with as well. Uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz. Uh, Mark Andrews out of Baltimore had a great season there. And then, of course, Gronk coming back. Um, who would you take if you had that first option at tight end? I mean, of course, there's an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver this year. So I think if you're in a PPR league, you're going to see the wide receivers just fly. Um, I, I hope this isn't a cop-out, but I, I'm going to go with Kettle from San Francisco just because of uh, – of the arm strength with Jimmy G. Uh, I just don't think that he has the arm strength to continually press the ball, you know, 25, 30 yards down the field. Uh, so I think those, you know, five to 15 yard passes are right in his wheelhouse. It's where he's the most efficient. Uh, so I think that plays right into George Kittle. Uh, so I think he's your hands down, absolute can't miss at tight end. Uh, just because that's, that's, that's his safety blanket out there in San Francisco. Uh, and sorry, 49ers fans, but with the play that you've seen from Jimmy G over the last year, uh, he's going to be checking it down to Kettle as often as he can. Uh, so I think that's a no-brainer. I think you have to take him. Uh, and, of course, you know, if he's not there, you know, another surefire can't miss is Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's an absolute stud out there. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one when you think of the quarterbacks because we also know that Pat likes to spread the ball a lot. So uh, Travis Kelsey is a good security blanket uh, for him. He does look for him a lot. Um, if you remember some of those games they had where they were you know, trying to make some sort of comeback happen, and that was the guy he was looking for was Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Most of the time, those were the two options. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you on yeah, that with, one. I think with, that's a good with, idea. With as deep as the skill positions are, you know, depending on how many teams are in a league, um, you could potentially, if you don't get Mahomes or a, you know, Lamar Jackson, you could really probably wait to the third or fourth round to take a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, you really could. If you're playing a PPR league, you just need to stack up on your, your wide receivers and running backs. And as deep as it is, I really think you could go deep into the draft before you ever have to worry about taking a quarterback. Uh, I mean, like I said, you could see it as far as the fourth, maybe even fifth round before you have to. And I think the guys you see that ultimately take those quarterbacks late, I think they're going to have the best success because they're going to have you know a lot of the draft deck when you built up in their wide receivers and running backs. Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I, I everybody who's been in my league now, I mean, pretty much everybody's been in there for, I would say, at least a solid – um, some of them have been there in all seven or seven seasons we've already had. Some have been there for, uh, for five of them, you know, or four of them. And, uh, we all pretty much have that same strategy by the fifth or sixth round is when we really start seeing the, uh, the purge of quarterbacks, if you will. I mean, we normally wait, uh, and a lot of those talented skills guys are gone and it's, it's just kind of a, uh, a dog fight to see who you get and, and who you have in those roles. So, uh, Justin, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little national, uh, little national sports news. We're going to start off with our good guy, uh, uh, old Earl Thomas. I know you're excited to talk about him. Um, the segment we'll start with from uh, from having a, what a, a gun held to him to now fighting teammates. That's Earl Thomas. That's what we're looking at. So when we come back, we'll have all that and more. Stay with us. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget, you guys can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Google Play. And you can leave ratings and reviews along the way as well. And don't forget, on social media, at underscore Talking Schmidt on Twitter and on Facebook, at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the action. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 26 of Talking Schmidt. Justin Kleiner still on with me uh, for our second segment tonight. And, Justin, we're going to start off with some national headlines here uh, made earlier this, uh, well, yeah, earlier, I guess, over the weekend here, was our good guy, Earl Thomas. Uh, we all remember back early on this summer, um, Earl Thomas had a uh, crazy encounter. Um, Justin, you're, what was the what was the phrase that he said? Oh my god! I can't. I can't remember now. I'm at a loss. This happens though. Was that what uh, it was? Was it stuff happens? Yeah, stuff happens. I believe that's what he said. Something close to that. Um, when his wife, uh, he was caught cheating on his wife or his girlfriend. Was it his wife? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So his wife, if I remember correctly. His wife and her entourage, so two or three other women, showed up with like butcher knives and guns to confront him and his brother, who were at an Airbnb with with either one woman or multiple women. And when they showed up, um, 
I don't know if both were in bed or if one was in bed, but I know Earl Thomas was in bed uh, with uh, with a, a woman, uh, and so she was chasing. You know, when the when the police were called, uh, you know, there was a report of a woman chasing a uh, shirtless male around. Uh, and, uh, so of course, when they showed up, I think he had success- successfully gotten the gun from her after she had put it to his head. Uh, after the fact, she said she didn't think the gun was loaded. Uh, come to find out there was one in the chamber. Uh, so that, that situation could have went bad real quick. Uh, but, uh, they were, uh, definitely interesting times. And, uh, I, I believe his, uh, I believe his wife shouted out, I got something for all you hoes before she, uh, before she, uh, made contact with him. And then Earl Thomas went on to Instagram and made a, an apology. And at the end of it, it wasn't even really an apology. He just kind of laid down what happened. Uh, and he ended with, uh, stuff like this happens. Bro. Yes, stuff like this happens, bro. Um, so that was where we were at with Earl Thomas at the beginning of this summer. Now we fast forward to Earl Thomas as a free agent. He's no longer with Baltimore uh, because of an altercation that he had earlier uh, against Chuck Clark, another safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, a physical altercation went down, and uh, they finally said, you know what, we got to cut ties with Earl Thomas. So now Earl Thomas is a free agent. Dallas might be a landing spot for him. I know Mike McCarthy's pretty big on wanting to bring him in there. They have the Texas connection, but his time in Baltimore has been a little bit of a, you look at where he was at in Seattle. Now his time in Baltimore has been a little plagued by just uh, him. I would say, I think these are all things that he's done to himself. Um, the confrontation he had with Brandon Williams about 11 months ago, uh, he's missed practices or he's, he's been late to several practices, things like that. So for Earl Thomas, uh, you know, what do you make of this situation with Earl? Um, and what what you know now of uh, you know is it still stuff like this happens, bro, or or how do you feel this is all laying out? Well, so I think this again just goes back to to anybody that's ever had anything to do with Pete Carroll. Uh, it seems like their careers just crash and burn in flames. Um, you know, we, we, when he was in Seattle, he was part of the Legion of Boom. You know, with uh, Sherman and Cam Chancellor, uh, played great defense. Uh, you know, and if he got hurt a few years ago, he's there flipping off Pete Carroll because he didn't get paid before he got hurt. Uh, he does rebound, make it to the Ravens, and ultimately, you know, his attitude uh, and and you know his 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 problems, you know, outweighed his talent, and so they parted ways with him. Uh, which I think I think that's probably the bigger story. You know, everybody right now in the national media is really focusing in on. You know, where's he going to go? What's the landing spots? And I think what the media needs to be focused in on is the Ravens. The Ravens' commitment to win is so high that they're willing to cut somebody that could be a good provider on that defense. I mean, Earl Thomas is a magnet to the football. So the fact that they're willing to just cut ties with him because of how serious of a program they want to run, that even the players on the team, because that was a big part of him being cut, was the players on the team didn't want him. A lot of the veteran guys didn't want him around anymore. So I think that just shows their commitment to win and their commitment to do the right thing. Now, as far as landing spots, I know Dallas is obviously one of the big ones. You've got the Bucks, which, of course, with Tom Brady there, who doesn't want to go play in Tampa? 
Uh, and then the Cardinals, you know, they're kind of a sexy pick now uh, with uh, Kyler Murray out there, and we'll see what he can do in his second year. Uh, <clears throat> and then, again, if I didn't say uh, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, of course, um, it seems like anytime there's a big free agent, um, that that's obviously a landing spot. Uh, and then I think ultimately the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, if someone doesn't want to go to the Kansas City Chiefs and they have the opportunity, they're just stupid. Yeah. Uh, because they, they, they've got the best chance to win a Super Bowl again. Uh, as many starters as they're going to be able to return this year. And again, nothing's guaranteed year to year in the NFL. And the NFL sells hope better than any other, you know, sports group out there. Uh, but they do ultimately still have the best chance to win with, again, the amount of starters they're returning. So if someone wouldn't want to join that team, they're just crazy. I'm just curious to see how many teams are crazy enough to accept him with all of his baggage that he has. Um, so I think you can take the Chiefs and uh, the maybe even the Bucks out of the question. Um, and I think you can pretty much narrow it down to just the Cowboys and the Cardinals will be crazy enough to bring somebody like him into a locker room. Yeah, I agree with you there. We'll see what happens with Earl Thomas. Justin, uh, one of the things before I, we talk a little bit about what we've seen from um, high school sports that have already started kicking off their seasons. Uh, something that I forgot about and, and just remembered, um, because technically this episode is being recorded on 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 Monday. It airs on Tuesday, but on Monday, as we all know, August twenty fourth, so eight twenty four. This is technically being recorded on Kobe Bryant Day. Um, it's officially being called Kobe Bryant Day in Los Angeles and uh, Orange County as well. Um, I don't know if you got an opportunity to read the uh, Players' Tribune um, article by Allen Iverson about Kobe Bryant today, but if you haven't, you definitely need to check it out. But um, I definitely wanted to bring that up. I know you and I are both huge Kobe Bryant fans. Um, you know, we've always been some of those guys, and, and AI says it in in this piece that he wrote. Um, you know, Michael Michael Jordan will always be, you know, number one. He'll always be the GOAT, but if there's ever a number two, it will always be Kobe Bryant. You and I have said that multiple times. Uh, we've we've discussed it on this podcast. We've mentioned that um, he's always been, in, in our eyes, he's our favorite player. I, I, I feel you say that as well. Um, but today, a day honoring a guy like Kobe Bryant, um just kind of shows the impact of, of what he had. And one of the lines uh, that I read that I really enjoyed um, was, how cold do you have to be to get two numbers retired um, instead of just one? I, I, and that perfectly sums up Kobe Bryant uh, to a T. Yeah, again, a, a terrible and awfully sad situation what happened to him and his daughter um, really is terrible. Anytime there's a loss of life, especially if it could have been preventable, uh, that just makes it even worse. Uh, hats off to uh, L.A. and uh, the state of California for finally getting something right. Uh, they don't seem to do that. So if I'm going to criticize them when they don't get stuff right, I have to you know, tip my hat to them when they do get something right. Uh, Kobe impacted so many people in and outside the world of sports. Uh, he's definitely somebody who needs to be remembered for what all he did. Um, and, again, I, I don't know. I know Skip Bayless has made a multimillion-dollar career out of talking about LeBron and uh, Jordan. Uh, but, again, I'm still of the belief that Jordan is definitely hands down the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, Kobe's second. Uh, and there's nothing that LeBron can do between now and the end of his career that's probably going to change that. Uh, Kobe was just that great of a player. Uh, and, you know, Kobe didn't really have the God-given – 
you know, body that LeBron's been given. You know, Kobe really, really worked hard and was a super competitor. Uh, and I definitely think Allen Iverson's right. I mean, he is the second best player of all time. Uh, and it is good for them to recognize them. Uh, you know, the Lakers just need to see if they can get out of the first round uh, so they don't just ruin this season that they're supposedly playing for Kobe in. Yeah, they're wearing the uh, black Mamba jerseys on Kobe Bryant Day, so they were playing in those uh, on Monday. Um, also, the street outside of the Staples Center is now renamed to Kobe Bryant Boulevard, um, and those jerseys, from what I heard, will go on sale as well. They're going to have an 8 on the front and 24 on the back. Um, another great moment from that article that I read was Allen Iverson uh, talking about it, and he said when he very first came to L.A., Kobe was like, what you getting into tonight? Um, and AI as a rookie was like, man, we're in LA. I'm going to go party. I'm, I'm going to go have fun, man. What are you doing? He said, I'm going back to the gym. And I think that's the thing that separates Kobe Bryant from really everyone. You know, we watched the, uh, the series on Michael Jordan, where Michael Jordan was able to talk about his dream team and, um, just the last dance and everything that went through with Michael Jordan. We're never going to be able to see Kobe, obviously, which absolutely sucks. Talk about, you know, his career and, and everything that led from the transition from 8 to 24, doing it, you know, with Shaq by his side and then with Paul Gasol and the teams that he had. Um, we're not going to ever get a documentary from Kobe's perspective, but I don't know if Kobe would have ever really wanted it to be like that either because we all knew um, you don't yell anybody else's name when you shoot, a, you know, a piece of paper in a, in a wastebasket. You and I have said that a million times. You yell Kobe. That's the name you yell. Yeah. So looking at everything that Kobe has done through, you know, the reason why, like you said, L.A. got it right. Um, the reason why this is such an important thing is because this guy, he was so big on doing everything to perfection. His basketball career, um, being a father, uh, being a role model to other players and then he, you know, he gets out of all of it, and he freaking wins an Emmy. I mean, come on, like this guy, anything he put his mind to, he could absolutely do. So um, on Kobe he, Bryant he Day, it's great the, to hear it. Kobe was the ultimate competitor. Yeah, it, it didn't matter what he was doing; he wanted to win. Uh, so you know, he was pretty much Jordan without the gambling habit. Yeah, um, but you know, he he just was such a competitor, and, and don't forget. One of the one of the major defining moments in LeBron James's career uh, was when him and uh, <clears throat> Kobe played on Team USA together, uh, and they're overseas playing in the Olympics. And and you know, pretty much to that point, LeBron everything had just come natural to him. And then he was able to see the way that Kobe took care of his body, the way Kobe worked out, the way the time Kobe spent in the gym, and that really changed the entire approach to the game of basketball in LeBron's career. So LeBron owes a lot of, you know, his change uh, over that, you know, next season or two and the way he approached the game and his physical health, you know, to mirror more of what Kobe Bryant did and just the work ethic. Again, you know, I, I think LeBron's trying to do a little too much now. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, I mean, Kobe is – Kobe's the man. I, I mean, that's just all he said. He brought – he made so many people fans of basketball, uh, and he drew a lot of fans in. And, you know, they're just – for me, the NBA hasn't been the same since Kobe retired. Uh, Kobe's kind of what drew me um, into the game of basketball to watch it. You know, I love staying up late and watching those West Coast games that Kobe would play in. Uh, 
And so, you know, he drew, I'm sure I'm not the only one, he drew a lot of people in. And I think the same with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan drew a lot of people into the game. And when he left, those people kind of left too. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you the last time that I sat down and really watched an NBA basketball game start to finish um, that Kobe Bryant hasn't played in. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, and so, again, you know, I hate to hate to leave the Kobe subject, but, you know, I think that kind of goes to a major problem the NBA is going to have, uh, you know, coming up. You know, next year, their two best players could be foreign-born players. And I think that's going to be hard to draw in uh, the United States fan base when two of your most popular and best players are foreign-born athletes. Yeah, that, I mean, obviously you're thinking of uh, Giannis and Luka, as kind of the top yep. names that are in the NBA right now. So, um, again, like we mentioned, though, with, with Kobe, just uh, a, you know, a great tribute by Los Angeles to uh, remember Kobe Bryant on August 24th, his birthday, August 23rd. So um, just kind of a back-to-back days of celebrating Kobe Bryant and hopefully brought some healing to his wife and uh, his, uh, his daughters who, um, who are still alive and, and carrying on the Bryant legacy. So... Um, Justin, we're going to jump into talking a little bit about, uh, what we've seen so far. I know we've had the, uh, the Utah athletic director, high school football athletic or high school athletic director in Utah. I don't know if you saw the video or not, um, making everybody pause and put on masks and social distance at a high school game. Um, but so far we've had a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of states who have gone on with football, um, do well in the first uh, first few weeks here. So um, what do you feel the trend is right now from what we've been able to see? I, I mean, other than, you know, maybe some people needing to follow some of the rules that are being laid out for them. But um, so far, we haven't really seen any major reports going against high schoolers playing athletics this fall. Yeah, n- not to discredit any of the deaths uh, that have happened as a result of this coronavirus and if I've spoken lightly of those deaths, forgive me. Uh, those are 170,000 people that have died of this, uh, and it is an awful and terrible disease um, or virus, excuse me. So that said, there's uh, 330 billion other people that are still living in America. Uh, and so we have to continue on with day-to-day life. And a big part of that is uh, is, is sports uh, and youth sports in particular. Uh you know, some of the some of the suicide statistics that have come out for younger kids right now during this time is absolutely mind blowing. Uh, I, I think the stats are fifty or sixty percent of kids from ages, you know, like fifteen to twenty one have have contemplated suicide at some point during this uh, shutdown and pandemic. Uh, so I think getting them back into school, getting them back on their athletic field, getting life is you're meant to do life together with other people. And I think getting them together and around other people, whether that's watching and being a spectator or being a participant in some way in high school athletics and particularly football for the season we're in now, is super important um, to kids and to families in these areas and communities across the country. And I think it's going to be a great it's going to be a great fall for high school sports. Uh, you know, I, I hope I'm right when I say this. Um, I've said it from the beginning. I've said America is going to kick the coronavirus's ass. And that's what we're doing. Americans have stepped up in ways that we probably thought were never possible. Uh, you can say what you want about, you know, whether, you know, masks or not, 
work or not. Uh, yeah, whatever we have to do to play football, that that's what I want to be a part of. <laughs> if that means we need to social distance, we need to wear a mask. Uh, again, I, I think the social distancing is proved. There are studies out there that show the effectiveness of it. Um, the mask is really middle of the road. Uh, you, you look across the you look across the country. I think if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. It's that simple. Uh, you know, there's people out here every day that uh, do stuff with other people that they shouldn't be doing without protection. Uh, so I don't need people to do that lecturing me or whoever else on wearing a mask. Um, but again, if it helps get sports back and it helps get life back to normal, uh, then that's what we'll do. Um, but it's a lot of good news coming out about high school sports. A lot of states that weren't decided have now decided to play. And I think that's super important. It takes a issue that should not have been political from the start that became political. Uh, and now it's starting to teeter more toward bipartisan support from both parties. So I think that's important. Uh, but again, America is an exceptional country and America is going to win at the end of the day. And a big part of that is your high school football, you know, and the people in those communities that show out, you know, every Friday night to support those guys. Uh, and it's going to be big. You know, Pennsylvania was one. Their governor was was anti-football, didn't want to have it. Uh, And the state has said pretty much we're going to play football. Not only are we going to play football at the high school level, we're going to play it at the college and the professional level. So hats off to the leadership in the state of Pennsylvania for that. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And and, uh, I know here in – um, in Clarksville, Montgomery County, I think a lot of people, their their first weeks are pushed off until the 4th of September, uh, at least when Clarksville High has their first game. Um, I know that there is, uh, we had some, some games going on in Nashville and some of the surrounding, actually some of the surrounding counties um, over this past week, this last Friday. So um, teams are out there, the, the guys are doing their part and they're, you know, they, they want to play. I, I think that's the biggest thing is uh, there's more people who want to play than people who don't want to play at this point, which is a good thing for everyone. Now, now here's one thing, and maybe a listener can explain this to me, or maybe you can. Uh, TWSAA last year started to enforce a, rot- a water break rule. A- every so many minutes, I can't remember if it's 10 or 15 minutes, you have to stop and let players break for water uh, because hydration was so super important and these kids weren't going to make it through a practice without a hydration break every 15 minutes, okay? And now this year, a player cannot share a water bottle with another player, nor can that bottle be refilled. A player has to show up with their own bottle full of water ready to go for every practice. Yeah. So how important were those water breaks, or is this now what's convenient so now we have to go with the corona route? Well, I always feel that the water breaks were important. I mean, I mean that's just especially being in areas where it's extremely, um, extremely hot. I mean, you always need a water break. Um, I, I think well, that it's uh, it's just having to make rules to kind of bounce around with what um, fits what's going on, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever fits the agenda of the times, of course. Right. But, but it did. It was very weird, though. I'll be honest with you. I was out Friday. Yeah. Um, uh, at Clarksville High School, and I and I did see, you know, all the kids had their own water bottle, and it was weird because I was sitting there, and and you know, I obviously you know, uh, uh, Miss Sparn, and um, you know, that was always kind of the thing was you know people always filled up the water bottles and stuff like that uh, for us, and you know, 
it was always one of those things where, you know, you helped out, filled up the water bottles and, you know, she normally put a lot of ice in them for us. So we could, you know, it would melt and make more water. Um, but it was weird not to see like those actual, like, you know, bottles of water that, you know, you would normally have. So that was, it was different. It really was. But, um, yeah, I, I think like, like you said, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, fitting what they need to say at this point. Um, I do think that the water breaks are needed. I'm not going to say that they're not needed. I, I do think that you did need a break for those that, you know, give those, those 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, or if it is extremely hot game, if you have to stop it for a water break, I mean, that needs to happen. Um, especially I, I think also with that right now, because, you know, conditioning, um, hasn't been great for everybody because they haven't really been able to be together as a team. Um, we talked about this as well. So conditioning hasn't been one of the top priorities or at least hasn't been something that, you know, some of these kids have done. So having their own water bottle or, you know, having the ability to, you know, see how much those people, those kids are individually drinking um, might help a trainer out, actually, if you truly think about it. Because, I mean, you know, if they have their own water bottle, you can say, okay, well, that's such and such as water bottle. They haven't had enough water. They need to drink more. Well, I, I'm just glad that you know what happens to ice when it melts. Hey, thanks, man. It turns back into water. That's I, I science, baby. Uber, uberly impressed by that knowledge, just over here dropping dimes on it. Well, I, I will say this. Some of us are born 10, that way. 10, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, we were told that if you if you had to stop and drink water, you were a pussy willow. So, uh, you know, I think that may be why these kids are so damn soft. Maybe they're getting too much water. I don't think that's a thing. I, I don't think that's a thing at all. Well, food for thought, nonetheless. Nobody ever, and here's the thing. I'm going to call you out right now because we were on the same high school football team. Nobody ever told you not to drink water. In fact, we were told to drink more water. No, I'm pretty sure that you were called a pussy willow if you had to take multiple water breaks, if I remember correctly. No, we drank. We had we had to stay hydrated. That's what that was the whole reason why we had all the bottles of water out there was to stay hydrated. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think there's just a bunch of pussy willows out there. No, I I think I think it's actually it's very smart right now to have them. I mean, with the individual water bottles, um, I don't think it should be something that should stay because you're gonna you're. I mean, these are high school kids. You remember being in high school. Um, you know, forget, I mean, how easy it is to forget a water bottle when you're in high school, um, as, as a, you know, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid, you might forget that. Um, but I do think that if you truly put it into measurements to see how much your players are drinking, cause they have their own personal water, it could help out kind of know the hydration level, um, making sure that kids aren't getting, you know, cramps or things like that, um, by making sure that their, their water level is all right. They're not getting overheated or anything like that. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's very necessary and it, it is something that could really help them out, uh, in the long run to, to know the hydration level. You don't agree. I know you don't agree. I can, I can, I can just envision right now the look that you're giving me through the phone right now. Um, but I know for a fact that this is the right thing, and I'm right on this one. Justin, one final thought for us as we we get out of this episode. Um, I know you're not a big professional wrestling fan, um, but you know I am. Did you get to yeah. a chance by any means on Twitter or anything like that to see Pat McAfee get in the ring on Saturday? Yeah. Uh, so, so, so let me say this, 
uh, when it comes to professional wrestling. Uh, when it comes to professional sports in general, to each their own. Um, with professional wrestling, it, I can't get past the part about it all being staged and predetermined. Um, and it's all a big act. If I want to watch acting, I'll watch a movie. Not a big movie guy either. That's why I'm not a big – I just think it's frivolous entertainment. Uh, but, again, you know, it's a billion-dollar industry that's made a lot of people wealthy. Uh, and I know a lot of people, including yourself, who do enjoy watching it. Again, it's not my cup of tea for those reasons. Um, but anytime Pat McAfee's involved in anything, <laughs> you've got it. Let's check it out. So yeah. I'm not going to say that I watched it live, uh, but I have seen some highlights of it. Uh, you know, he he is uh, you know not only was he a hellacious NFL punter, uh, but his post NFL career, he has just been a great entertainer. Um, he just he, he's more of a person than probably anybody else in the sports media, um, next to like maybe a Jason Whitlock or a Clay Travis or someone like that. Uh, he's super down to earth. What, what you see is what you get. Uh, his he's consistently consistent, which is great. You don't get that these days. Um, and, and Pat is about to get paid. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know right now he's in talks. Uh, last I heard was maybe like, uh, XM for maybe like his own, his own deal with them. Uh, so he's probably got a pretty big payday coming with that. And, and listen, if the executives at ESPN, which, you know, you, you can't, you can't trust ESPN to make a great decision on anything, but if they knew what the hell they were doing, they would cut this man a freaking blank check and tell him to fill it out and put him in their booth. Uh, great entertainment value from Pat. And you also get some really good insight and knowledge. Uh, cause while he is a cut up, uh, he can also be really serious. Yeah. And super informative. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's got a great mantra, uh, and just the value. He, he's got to be one of the value, one of the most valuable talents in sports media right now. Uh, and I hope he gets him a good check. But yeah, he was uh, he, he was he was pretty good in the ring. I'll give him that. On Wednesday, on Wednesday, he cut a promo um, with Adam Cole, who he faced off against. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm a big Adam Cole guy. I think he's very talented as as professional wrestler. Um, and he did mention he said I I've made a million dollars in seven different jobs. Each job I've had <laughs> seven different times, I've made a million dollars through those jobs. He said I'm about to make wrestling my eighth. And, uh, I mean, if you watch the match and, and you want to check out the highlights, I know I retweeted him. Um, boy, he looked good. He just looked absolute like he looked like he belonged there, which, you know, we in the years past, um, you know, as, as I mentioned, you know, I am a big wrestling fan. So in the years past, I've watched so many celebrities think that they can get in the ring. Uh, you know, Mike Tyson, Mr. T., uh, Dennis Rodman, which Rodman wasn't bad. He and Carmelone had a good little thing uh, back in the day in WCW. It wasn't phenomenal by any means, but again, well, a well, larger-than-life character. What was that? I said Rodman's huge. Yes. So he's a big dude. Yeah. And he's crazy as hell. So, you know, I mean, he's got like two of the main factors you need to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, and he brought the best out of Carl Malone. I mean, I mean, obviously they brought the best out of Carl Malone in the series they played him, but he brought the best out of him in the ring as well. It was actually a pretty good little piece. He was with uh, Hogan, um, Hollywood Hogan, and um, and Carl Malone was with DDP, and uh, it was just it was actually not a bad. Uh, I, I think that might have been a, at least one. 
Um, but I mean, we've had we've had movie stars, we've had celebrities of all times think that they can just get into the ring. Um, Pat McAfee just showed the true athleticism that he has, um, and just absolutely came out there and thrilled. Uh, I mean, thrilled the fans. Obviously, nobody was really able to watch it um, unless you you know watched on TV or whatever. But um, I don't know. I was very impressed with him, and I, I was hoping that you had seen him. And now that I know that you've seen some of the clips. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to watch and I hope it's not his last time in the ring. Uh, I, I don't think it will be. And on the way out, Ethan, let me just say this hats off, uh, to wrestling for what they've done during this pandemic. Uh, them and the UFC have done a great job providing content to fans and finding a way to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, with other sports leagues were sitting on their asses doing nothing. Um, so hats off to those participants in those leagues as well as the organizers and the leaders of them. Uh, you know, Rogan and uh, Vince McMahon are already absolutely freaking loaded. Yeah. Uh, so they could have sat on their loins and not worried about it. Uh, but it just shows you how much of a, you know, how much they relate to the common person uh, and the importance they've seen on having something. Uh, so hats off to those guys for doing a great job getting these sports back and going. Uh, before there was any other entertainment value from any other sports league out there. Yeah, and I know that you haven't seen, um, I know obviously you didn't watch uh, SummerSlam over the weekend, which was the other pay-per-view that happened on Sunday. Um, I actually tuned into it because uh, they started something which they're going to be doing now at every show, uh, which can be a little risky, but also kind of uh, just building to where they need to be at. They're calling it the Thunderdome. What they're doing is they're actually surrounding the rings with uh, a bunch of different people being able to kind of like Zoom call in, and they're able to watch it from their computer, what's going on, um, and they, they're part of the crowd. I know a lot of people have been doing the cardboard cutouts. Um, a lot of people have been doing like, you know, the stuffed teddy bears or stuffed animals in the crowd. Vince McMahon has literally put, I mean, thousands of monitors where stands would be at, and now people are literally getting a chance to watch and be a part of the crowd that is on there, and that's going to keep continuing until they can get fans in there. So Vince McMahon always trying to stay ahead of the game, always trying to be innovative, and again, trying to have that real sound of a crowd, even though it's a little delayed, obviously, but still having you know a move happen um, that's you know something that you want to see or something that's just absolutely phenomenal, and you still get that pop of the crowd. So another thing that, you know, um, he's just kind of ahead of everybody else when it comes to making sure that, you know, he's a making sure his talent know what they're performing for and, and then B still making sure that the, the crowd has a chance to be technically there, even though they're, you know, could be, you know, thousands of miles away, but watching on a computer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. All right, Justin. Well, it's been another great episode of talking Schmidt. I hope everyone enjoyed it here. Um, Justin, uh, good luck this week against Brian. I checked the last time I checked, you were up pretty big on him. So, um, just watch out for your favorite players because, uh, normally for Brian, uh, his Braves players come out huge during the weekend and that's normally when he bounces back and beats everyone. So you might have to be rooting against Freddie Freeman and a few other of your uh, favorite players this weekend. I will take the loss before I read against Freddie Freeman. <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, it's been great getting a chance to talk to you, man. For everyone that's been listening in, we hope that you've enjoyed episode 26, and we hope that you guys catch us later. Thanks so much for listening.